Hey everyone, welcome back to the CTYA podcast. We are so glad that you joined us here today. Sit back, relax, get out your favorite pencil, your favorite notebook. May you be blessed in the Lord. follow me up so it's not just me. Lucky you. Um, But what I want to attempt to do a little bit in the time that I have um, is not insult your intelligence because you're all very, very bright. You can sit down. Sorry. (laughs) Um, I'm going to talk about holiness. And I feel like every time I say, like, oh, we're going to talk about holiness, the whole room cringes. Like, ugh. <laughs> ugh. Um, but I want to attempt to kind of change the attitude around the vocabulary of holiness. Um, so, audience participation, what comes to your mind first when you hear me say holiness? Somebody participate. The definition of holy, which is to be uh, separate or apart from the the norm. Great, you can come teach my lesson. Anybody else have a not in-depth answer? (laughs) No? Thank you. That's what I was going for. (laughs) Um, But you nailed it right on the head, exactly. Um, Holy is to be other. It refers to that apartness, someone someone or something that is set apart from others. Um pure, clean, free from defilement, etc., etc. So when we refer to holiness as in referring to God, what is God then set apart from? Simple, the rest of creation. This quote here says, God is not a superman or the ultimate man. God is not merely smarter than any man, stronger, older, or better than any man. You can't measure God on man's charts at all. When you measure yourself against your peers or other people. You're able to sustain sort of a lofty opinion of your own character. The moment you come into contact and measure yourself against this holy other, this God, you're morally and spiritually just destroyed in a sense because you can't compare your, when you compare yourself to what God as this holy other is, It's just undoing of everything that you ever thought that you are. So Exodus 15, 11 says just that. Who is like thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? There's nothing, no one like him. The vastness of who he is, no one could ever compare or come close to that. So when you're singing, you are holy in in service, Sister Driggers did such a great job. Um, yeah. when, when you're singing downstairs, God, you're holy, la la la. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're not just saying that, that has meaning to that, right? There's weight to that. You're proclaiming everything that God is. Right. We tend to add holy to a long list of attributes about God when we're talking about him. Like, oh, God is mighty. He's lovely. He's X, Y, Z. We tend to tack holy onto the end of that. 
But holy when applied to God doesn't signify just one single attribute. It refers to all that he is. It's a synonym for his deity. And God is called holy in a general sense. His love, mercy, knowledge, spirit, justice, they're all holy. Holiness describes each attribute, not just one. So Isaiah 6, 3 says, And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. This one, I know I just said it wasn't just an attribute, but this one attribute of God is the only one in the Bible that's elevated to the third degree like this is. In the Hebrew language, intensity is communicated by repetition. So to say God is holy means something. But to say it three, holy, 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 is to declare his holiness to the highest degree. The Bible doesn't say God is love, 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 or mercy, mercy, mercy. Because you can't get his love or his mercy without his holiness first. You can't understand who God is or even who you are until you come to understand his holiness. In this, in this scripture, it wasn't until he recognized God is holy was he able to say, woe is me. Because when you compare yourself to that, it's the center of everything that he is. A.W. Tozer said it this way, holy is the way God is. To be holy, he does not conform to a standard. He is that standard. Because he is holy, all of his attributes are holy. That whatever we think of as belonging to God must be thought of as holy. God has made his holiness the moral condition necessary to the health of his universe. So how do we achieve that, right? <laughs> his touch on the common makes it uncommon. Only his touch can make something holy. Nothing that you do in and above yourself makes you holy. In a single moment of being exposed to that, it shatters all self-esteem. Everything that we are, compared to his holiness, is just destroyed. <laughs> Once you have this Holy Ghost experience, is what we know that as, essentially this, this touch on the commonplace makes it uncommon, that Holy Ghost encounter that we most of us have experienced. I don't talk the same. Thank God, right? <laughs> I don't act the same. I'm a completely different person from that. So then we have this command, right? Be holy for I am holy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How? Right? Um, because when you, when you put it in this context, right? Holiness, like God's holy, he's set apart. And you said it earlier, right? Holiness is to be, is to be set apart. But it's not just the separateness that makes us holy, right? So usually when you hear that, like, okay, holiness is set apart, that's where, why we wear skirts, right? That's what people say, because you're set apart from the rest of society. Lots of people can be separate from society. Like, be Amish. They're weird, right? Um, <laughs> but that separateness of their culture, that they're not a holy people that's acceptable unto God, right? It's not just the separateness that makes something holy, but it's the being consecrated unto the Lord is where that connection is. So there is the position of holiness, 
which is what I've talked about. And then there's the practice of holiness. And I think Justin's going to talk about that a little bit. But um, I don't think God was just tricking us when he said this, to be holy, for I am holy. We can't get to that position of holiness on our own, right? That's mm-hmm. That takes a cross experience. But it's my responsibility to get to the cross. And that's where that practice of holiness comes in. And I think Justin's going to talk about that a little bit. I thought that was good. <laughs> she could just she could have just kept going and we could have just had ourselves a prayer meeting or something. No, but that's that's interesting, isn't it? That when you like I just was thinking about that, like with Isaiah. It was he couldn't say woe is me until he saw the holiness of God. He he couldn't understand who he was or even who God was. Until he had that encounter with God. That was six chapters later. Which means that there was six chapters of Isaiah doing something for God. But it wasn't until that revelation that he had of his holiness. That brought him to woe is me. And that's what Daisy was saying there. That there was that. It's that position elevation of, of holy is God. That destroys us. That brings us to our knees anyway. She could just keep on preaching that. So why do we practice holiness? So I'm going to kind of talk about the practice of it. It's a, it's a practical application of God's command. It is to be holy. So number one, we know that it's biblical, right? Hallelujah. We don't want to do something that's unbiblical. So I'm just, I, I, uh, I'm going to hit on a few, like really quick, just like millisecond stuff on dress, because that's not really what I'm, what we're here to, talk about because we've all probably have heard Brother Kilman talk about holiness dress and so I won't go but we can kind of look real quick about what Adam and Eve wore we see this in Genesis chapter 3 um, and basically that you know we have this kept on uh, this tunic with sleeves that that get brought down always to the knees and angles so we know that this was the standard of holiness uh, this is in the Bible not the UPCI handbook right that's why we believe in that's why we believe in holiness, not just because of a handbook says it. Uh, and then we find in the New Testament again, uh, modest apparel. Um, and this is the same thing. This this uh, word here, um, the garment let down, dressed tight, uh, meaning long dress. So, and if it if it needed to be longer, like it comes down to the knees, and so that's kind of where we. Okay, we understand this. This is. This is kind of the biblical approach. If it needed to be longer, Paul would have explained it, but it was right there in Scripture with the Greek is clear right there. Okay, so we're going to... This is the second thing, and this is what I want to hit on. So it's biblical. So like Daisy said, to be ye holy. Be ye holy, for I am holy, shows up numerous times. All throughout Leviticus. Leviticus 11, 44, 45... Uh, 19, 2, 20, and 7, uh, and 26. Even Peter tells us in his his book, uh, 1 and 16. So there is a action that takes place. That's what we're learning. So to be holy is an action. We can literally point out hundreds of verses about holiness 
It is something, so that is to say that it is something important to God. So it's not disputed that it's biblical, but the second thing is that it blesses. And that's what, that's what I really want to talk about tonight, is why are we holy? Okay, so we know we're holy because it's biblical, but now if I can show you guys that it's not only biblical, but it is a blessing unto our lives. And so there are things in our world and things in our culture that are going on and this is going to tie a little bit into our worldview series that will destroy blessing into not only your life, but the people's who life that you will impact. So it brings blessing into your life. It's more than just a dress. It's more than just how we look. That call to be holy is a call to be a pleasing unto the Lord. It's not just holiness standards. But it's to be like him in all aspects. But you know, here's what the world does. The world tries to twist this concept from a blessing to God. Now catch this. To a blessing unto themselves. Let me say that again. It takes this concept of a blessing unto God and twists it to where it could be a blessing unto yourself. The world just says you're just being legalistic. It's harmful to the human condition to be holy. It's bad for your mental health, they say. Oh, you don't believe me? This is a direct quote from something that my wife shared with me that's going on Instagram right now that has over 20,000 followers. It's an Instagram uh, page called Deconstructing Purity Culture. A whole page set aside strictly to deconstruct what God has called holy, what God has called blessing into your life. To deconstruct freedom, to deconstruct who we should be in Christ. A whole page. They say things like this in their bio. Recovering from a lifetime of purity culture. And what it is, it's these women that have come together from an evangelical world and even some apostolics who have backslid, unfortunately, that are following this trap. Saying that I'm just trying to recover from a lifetime of purity. So what does that even mean? They say things like, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to unlearn the shame that purity taught me. Unlearn the shame. Purity culture, they say, leads to Fear of intimacy. Now, we're all adults here, so I'm going to speak plain. They say things like purity culture encourage you to, uh, encourages the mind and body to de- uh, disconnect, they say. They say thoughts are just natural. Mm-hmm. That purity culture just teaches you that you can just never have sex and that you're the problem. That's what they're saying. They're saying that. What God is trying to call holy, they're trying to turn it around and say, no, you're just saying that I'm a problem. Thoughts are just natural, they say. And so what you're doing in turn, since these thoughts are so natural, is you are trying to put me in a box of who I'm trying to truly be, is what they're trying to say. Are you following? I read an article from The Atlantic. It was this woman who grew up in what is called the purity culture. 
She was taught that she should be pure. Amen. And the problem was is that she ran, she, this wasn't an apostolic lady, but she ran into uh, leaders in her organization that have twisted what God called holy. She, she ran into people that were fallen and people that were not doing things right. And so the, the problem was is that these leaders, they would try to cover up a lot of things she talked about, um, that they were doing exactly what she was being taught not to do. So, for example, she was taught she should keep herself pure, but these leaders that she sees are, are having uh, affairs and things like that. And so she's pointing to the church. She's saying, ah, see, you guys are hypocrites. And so I would just like to say the things that she saw were straight up wrong. I'm not here to condone what happened. But what I'm trying to say is that just because the church did something wrong does not mean that God is wrong. It does not mean the Bible is wrong. It does not mean what the word says is truth is wrong. Because the Bible clearly takes, you know, states to us that we should be pure, we should be holy, we should be set apart, right? That's what we were talking about. The problem with this mindset of just these thoughts are just natural is that they're trying to get to this with their own reasoning. This is helping them justify their sin because it's just what makes me feel good and I shouldn't have to give that up because it makes me feel good. But then God calls to be set apart. And this is, this is the thing. Holiness is protection. That's why we, one, that's why we believe in it, because it's biblical. But also, we, we find that it's protection mm-hmm. and peace from things that you don't even know about. It, it sets up peace in your life to where there will be instance, and may, maybe one day when you get married, and, and, you, and, and you, I need to be careful. But there are going to be things that holiness will protect you from. There's a protection from that. There's not, it's not that we're trying to keep you from having fun or it's not that we're trying to keep you from experiencing your life, but we're trying to keep you from wrecking your life. Because there is something in the Bible that blesses. There's something in this word that blesses people. And it's kind of like God knew what he was talking about. It's not that we just don't want you to go have fun, Marco, and, you know, go to the bar and drink and have a good time and, you know, see how many people you can be with and everything like that. But what we're trying to do is make sure that you have a blessed life and that you don't have to deal with the backlash, that you don't have to deal with the hurt and the shame that the world has to deal with. Do you understand that there are people that have failed and that have, you know, and they and thank God they get they've gotten back in track of people that have come into the church after they've walked in the world and they would say things like, You don't understand the mess that I've been in. And that's true, it's a mess. That stuff is mess. But what holiness is, is protection. So this is what they've done. Um, when I was a child, I saw, I saw something like this in my church. Uh, this, how many have seen something like this before? The authority umbrella. They literally have this on their page. You can go on Instagram right now and look at their page. They posted this. They said, this is how authority should be. The ultimate authority should be you and you alone. I am my own authority. 
what I say goes. And also, I decide what influences I allow in my life. So forget about what this influences me to do. Forget about what God tells me to do. Forget about what holiness tells me to do. And I'm free to make my own decisions. That's what they say you should do. They call this reimagining the umbrella of protection. They are intentionally making themselves the God of their own lives when they do this. It's no longer the protection of Scripture, ladies and gentlemen. Why do we practice abstinence? Why do we practice holiness? Well, think about its ending. Think about the end point of this. Think about the end point of this worldview. When it's just you and you and you and your authority and what you think feels right. Think with me. When we talked about this in our, in our uh, worldview series, so I won't, I won't spend too much time on this. But it leaves you with hopelessness. Leaves you with meaninglessness. You are all that there is to life. When you die, you just die. That ends in despair, ladies and gentlemen. Right. And we're seeing this played out in front of us. In fact, um, there, there is somebody that's, uh, I think, one year younger than me. And they are experiencing this in real time. They've said things like, if there's nothing after we die, then what's the point of living? And they're right. In fact, this younger generation, my generation, Marco, your generation, our generation, they call themselves, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but they call themselves the Suicide Squad. We're just all going to commit suicide together. We're all just going to be depressed together. Is that, is, that, is that blessing? Does that sound like blessing to you? That we're just all going to commit suicide together. We'll all just be depressed together and we're just going to have, you know, joke about it. Joke about how funny that is. This is where it ends. That's the end point. But there's something in Scripture. There's something about the holiness of God. When you can get under that umbrella. When you can get under this umbrella. When you can get under the biblical model of protection. This is freedom, ladies and gentlemen. You have Christ. And I know this is old school, but then you have the husband. They protect the family. They provide for the family. You have the wife that manages over the children. That's biblical. And why did God send it up that way? Because there's blessing in that. There's protection in that. That's good. Coming into a marriage, I don't have to worry about Maybe how many other people my, my spouse has been with. And I don't have to worry about things like that. And, and that's why we believe in the blessing of God like that. Because you don't have to worry about things like that. Because there's blessing in that. You, you, you guys see that? You guys understand that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, good. so I, I'm coming to a close quickly. And we'll get you out of here a little early. But when you talk about the gift of holiness. So why holiness? So we talked about its blessings. 
God intends for us to be saved from the corruption of the world. Plain and simple. And he does not intend for us, and he, and he, okay, let me say it like this. He does not leave us in sin. He does not leave us where we found him at. He didn't leave Isaiah where he found him at. But he brought Isaiah to a point of knowledge of who he is, where he said, woe is me, for I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell with a people of unclean lips. And it wasn't until the, the seraphim took the live coal off the altar and placed it on his lips that he became sanctified. God intends for blessing to be given unto us so that we can live a life that, so that I... So Daisy said it earlier. She said, is it even possible to be ye holy as he is holy. If we are just fallen creatures, living under the weight of sin, and we just fail all the time, is it even possible for me to live holy? Is it even possible? God has set this up so that we can live the life God intends us to live. That's the blessing holiness brings, is that I can live in freedom. I can live a life without sin. I can live a life that is pleasing unto the Lord. And I don't have to worry about where this dark road is going to lead me to. But I can trust in the strong hand of God. Trust in his power. Trust in his holiness. And we need to trust that. It can be scary to give up control. And I think that's maybe some of the problem, you know, with things that we're dealing with in the world is that people just don't want to give up control. I don't want to give up control of my own life. Why would I do that? I, am I, you know, when, when you operate underneath that umbrella of authority, why would you? When there's nothing else for you. But there is a peace. And if I can if I can say it like this, there's a protection that passes all understanding. Mm -hmm. You know, the Bible does say that there's peace that passes all understanding, but I believe with scripture and with holiness that there is there is a protection mm -hmm. that passes all understanding. And this is what we ultimately need to understand is that God is God. <laughs> I know we're sick of people quoting it, sick of Brother Mooney here. It's like you can hear Brother Mooney's voice in your head when you hear it. But that old man had something right, didn't he? I can call him that now, I think. <laughs> this is blessing, ladies and gentlemen. And don't let the world swage you with its new age ideology and tell you any different. Because I'm sure there's people even under this, under the sound of my voice in this room that's been on the other side of it. Yeah. And they've seen the cursings and they've seen 
They've, you haven't seen where they were when they laid their head at night and they couldn't even have rest at night because they were crying their eyes out because all they could do is, is worry about where am I going to end up or what is this void that I'm feeling in my heart? You weren't there when they laid their pillow at night and they didn't feel the protection of God. They didn't feel the blessings of God. And I know that some of us that's been raised in this thing, we, we, we take it for granted sometimes that, you know, being apostolic, but you weren't there with some of these people that, that they weren't under that protection. They weren't under that blessing. And so young, young adult, you have to understand something today. Is that when it comes to his holiness, and, and when it comes to why we need to be holy, is number one, so that we can protect ourselves, but so that we can help others. Right. We can help them understand, listen, there is, there is peace for you. You can, you can lay your head on your pillow tonight and you can get some rest and that you can feel joy in your life for once. You can feel fulfillment in your life for once. You can understand that there is an eternity waiting for you and that God has went to prepare a place for you. Right. Yeah, that's good. So why holiness? Well, it blesses. And we have to understand that when ideologies like what ones that I brought up today come against that we need to put on the brakes and say, whoa, that's a lie from hell. Yeah. That's a lie from the enemy just yeah. so that they can excuse their sin for a moment. Yeah. Let's all stand today. And I just, before we leave, I just want us to pray together. Just take a moment and, and, and let us pray together that that we would never sway from why holiness. That, that I hope this lesson really did help some people and, and that you as a young adult, that you're going to face some things in your world and we have to understand the blessings that God has put for us. Let's just pray together. Lord, I, I pray that you would help every young adult under the sound of my voice tonight. God, that you would help them, Lord, with against the ideologies of the world. And Lord, help us understand.